Whether I'm photographing near or far from where I live, I try to embrace a sense of discovery. Sometimes not taking a photograph can be as problematic as taking one. Hey, welcome to the Street Shots Photography Podcast. This is Antonio. And this is Ward. And this is episode 180 for the end of March 2023. Wow. Um, and I do want to acknowledge, well, first of all, hi, Ward. <laughs> hi, Antonio. I want to acknowledge you first. But actually, yeah, no, I do want to acknowledge you. And I want to acknowledge this. I posted this up on uh, Twitter and it's not anything... It's not like we've reached some sort of famous anniversary, but I did want to, you know, I suddenly was looking at the um, episode number that we're doing tonight, and then we're at 180, and I was like, that's a lot of stuff. That's a lot of mm -hmm. episodes to have in the can. So I wanted to sort of, I, 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 you saw my, my post on Facebook and yeah. and Twitter. So Congratulations, uh, part of that, man. Well, congratulations to both of us. And I wanted to, again, sort of, I did want, I want to thank you for uh, joining me on this um, crazy thing that we're doing here. Maybe not so crazy, but. Oh, I'm happy to do it. It's fun and I get to talk about photography every couple of weeks, so. Yeah, me too. And, uh, you know, I saw that Tom, I, I posted that and, and Tom was still on Twitter, which I was kind of surprised at, I don't know why. Yeah. Um, you know, and he said uh, that uh, he was happy to be part of it and that you know, we put wings on it and it took off and stuff like that. So I wanted to, I just want to acknowledge that. I mean, yeah, the next anniversary is, you know, 200 would be the next big number, but I didn't want to wait that long because that's going to be at this point next year. And so, yeah. uh, I just wanted to acknowledge where we've, we've been at at this point and, uh, we've gotten our, our listenership is, is, is growing slightly. You know, it's, it's, I'm really grateful to all the people who listen to the show and decide that they're, we're worth, you know, we have something to say <laughs> to them. And uh, the other thing I was thinking of was that, you know, I was listening to NPR uh, the other day and uh, they have a new host coming on and she was saying how, um, you know, how different radio is from television and television plays to the room, but mm -hmm. radio plays to a single person. And I sort of lump podcasts into that, I think. I think we're yeah. not much different than that. So. You know, to the one person who's got us in their ears, thank you for listening <laughs> and and putting up for putting up with us. But it's kind of I like cool... I like that uh, I like that metaphor. I think it's uh, yeah, me too. It's very cool. It also just makes me think slightly differently. Actually, between our last episode and this, and I realized yes, I am. We are talking to one person at a time, and there's all these individuals who are listening to us and, and uh, giving us feedback now and then, and, and sending messages and sending us books and stuff like that. And mm -hmm. I never expected this to happen. You know, when I was looking at the uh, the Facebook thing that came up, and it said, "Oh, you, I did 13 episodes, and it was 2,000 replays," and I was so excited about that. Yeah, <laughs> it was a round number, right? Yeah, it was a round number, and and. Uh, Tom was still, we, I think Tom and I did it until we did 50 episodes, more or less. I don't know if he was on every episode, but we did 50 together. Anyway, I just wanted, I wanted to acknowledge that. So, cool. um, so thanks for joining me on this board. No problem. Again. It's my pleasure. And I, I really like doing it. And you're doing all the most of the work. I'm just sitting here in my basement. 
believe me, you're doing a lot of work. <laughs> you know, you're the other half of the brain here, and I, you know, I otherwise I'm a half brain here. I can't figure this stuff out myself. So this other stuff that we're doing, the 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 technical stuff, that that's not work. That's that's fun. Well, it's okay. not fun. <laughs> so uh, before we get into the main gist of what we wanted to talk about tonight, I did want to acknowledge the uh, situation uh, over at DP Review. Mm-hmm. And uh, I wasn't thinking initially to want to talk about it, but since everybody is talking about it and we're a bunch of days into it now, so it's nothing new, and I'm sure everybody's been hearing about it, that Amazon is... Well, first of all, I didn't understand. I didn't know that Amazon owned DP Review. I just never paid enough attention to the. Yeah, I think they purchased it in two thousand seven somewhere. Really, yeah. that long? Oh, two thousand eight. Boy, I'm just not paying yeah. attention. Uh, well, Amazon decided to close them down, but I think the worst part of it, and it seems what is, is affecting everybody. I mean, not only are they getting rid of a, a a fine group of people who are dedicated to telling us so much about cameras and photography. Mm-hmm. But for no reason or none that they're letting us know is that they're they're going to erase the damn site, um, which to me is um, I it, well it makes me pissed off. Yeah, <laughs> and and the reason you know I'm thinking like DP review has become one of those things uh, ubiquitous in my you know uh, research and photography and cameras and the gear mm-hmm. and stuff like that that I almost don't even give it any mind. Um, and that's not, I'm not trying to, uh, it's like, um, I don't want to say this. Do you know what I'm saying? It's yeah, like, it's oh, like, like going I just fired to Google, up. Going yeah, to Google go to Google, to right, search. exactly. Don't even, yeah, yeah. Exactly. You know, I thought DP Review is in a sense the Google of photography. In fact, when I was working at B&H, uh, one of the things I did while I was there is I had access to a computer, and when there was a downtime, I would log on to DP Review and they had the camera comparison features. So you right. could load up a bunch of, like I think six or seven cameras, mm-hmm. and you could load up all the uh, specs that you wanted to see. And I had access to a, a couple of printers there. So while I was not doing anything and I was learning, like I'm working mm-hmm. in the Canon booth, I would go to DP Review and like list all the DSLRs or list all the um, mirrorless cameras and put them in comparisons. And I would print them out and I would have this mm-hmm. sort of cheat sheet that I could use while I was learning and boy, that was helpful. In fact, yeah. <laughs> you know, when Particularly people are getting into video, right? How the, all the different codecs and whether they can do, you know, oh uh, yeah, four K at sixty or four K yeah. at thirty. Yeah, it was know. amazing. I, and I again, I printed these things out. I actually gave them when other trainees were coming in. I would let them use, like, if I I was in the Canon booth, but then I moved to the Sony booth. I didn't need the Canon stuff anymore, and I left it there. And I would let a trainee use it. Mm-hmm. So they would have something to learn. And it, again, like I said, it didn't even occur to me that, you know, it was like Googling, you know, here's DP review. And yeah. so the thing that is getting everybody angry is, I mean, Amazon's got money coming out the wazoo and what pain is it for them to leave the website up? Because it's such a resource of, yeah. of uh, just a resource. And, yeah. and it's, it's a, it's a travesty to lose that. I don't know. What do you think? Oh, I'm, 
I'm upset about it too. I mean, I, I think of the times when I'm jonesing for a particular camera and I read the early review and the specs and then the forum, there's a forum thread starts up and people are talking about it and some people are way off base and other people understand things a little bit more. And then the moderators come in and clear things <laughs> yeah. up. And and, and that, that there's a whole culture of DP review and the sample images, like, you know, just there's, there's a whole, I don't know, yeah, there's a whole part of, uh, uh, or it, a whole, it's the whole thing of important resource um, that we're that we're losing. Yeah, I'm pretty upset about it too. And, um, you know, there's no way we can download that. There's no way anybody's been offered to buy it, or they're offer, offered to sell it, or just let it be open source and let like the community run it. Yeah, I don't it's know. Like I hope there's some solution somehow or other, but you know, it's and it's supposed to close down what like April April tenth or something something yeah. like that yeah so by the time we do our next show we'll we'll know if there's anything that's changed or not but mm -hmm. uh, um and i've been watching a bunch of youtube videos and i'll have a i have something to say about that in a second but i've been watching youtube videos and everybody's been really uh angry at amazon uh at, for doing this and um uh just the the outpouring you know and it's good to hear that uh um chris and um jordan Jordan are going to be moving over to uh, Petapixel. Petapixel. Yeah. So it's, it's be exciting that to see what they're going to do there and what kind of freedoms and they'll have. And, uh, mm -hmm. you know, uh, so I, I feel they're, to me, they're the ones who are the, um, I mean, uh, the point people, because I only see them, you know, and everybody who works at DP Review, they're sort of in the background. I mean, they're, they're sort of the, the visual, uh, mm -hmm. the, the faces of DP Review, because I'm watching mm -hmm. them. But I'm my my uh, my sadness goes out to everybody who's been affected by this, uh, and uh, I, I wish them all the best. And hopefully, uh, we'll see them crop up in uh, you know in something new. Yeah. Well, Chris um, and Jordan are local to me, right there in Calgary. And uh, I mean, I know Jordan's wife pretty well. She works at the camera store. Maybe we should see if we can't get them on the on the show. I would love to get them something on the like show. that. Isn't. Yeah, get um, both of them to talk uh, about photography. <laughs> we'll figure out a subject. Uh, we won't. We won't hash over this. But let me go back to the Amazon thing for a second. I'm going to switch hats a little bit here. Okay. Um, and so this is going to be a little bit of a rant. And uh, uh, bear with me for a second. But uh, and I'm not going to mention names. But from some of the videos that I was hearing and people being upset and outraged at some of this uh, with Amazon uh, pulling the plug on DP Review that these um, entities on, on YouTube have also made mention that they're going to be removing their uh, Amazon affiliate links um, as almost in a sense like a protest to, to this. And I, I find that is admirable. I, I get it and it makes sense. And, but there's like, I was thinking about this for a minute. There's something that's bothering me about that a little bit. Um, and it's because, uh, and so I have Amazon affiliate links that I sell, you know, I, I, when I post the pic, uh, links to books, mm -hmm. right? And I understand what the, what Amazon has done. Sorry, this is, this is, I'm sort of taking sides here, <laughs> which is not something I do on the show a lot. Maybe I'm not taking sides, but um, I, you know, the whole story about Amazon and how they exploded and what Amazon has done to the, you know, the small stores. I'm sure camera store has been affected by it. I'm sure mm -hmm. there's dozens of uh, small mom and pop places that have been affected by Amazon. What gets me a little bit is this 
sort of the straw broke the camel's back for these entities on YouTube to pull their affiliate links. Why wasn't it bothering them in general that Amazon has been actually doing this for a long time? Like, like suddenly this, this thing is, is what broke the camel's back for these, right. for these yeah. entities. And I was like, well, but if, if this was so concerning to you, and this is where you, why you're pulling your affiliate links now, why weren't you doing it before? Why would, why would you have affiliate links? In the first place, if you know that they've been affecting, you know, mom and pop stores and whatnot, and especially for those entities who have a very large following, I think. Mm -hmm. I mean, and I can't justify it. I mean, I've got them, you know, by I don't have them any listeners. I don't think I've had any. Actually, I've never made any money on uh, on affiliate links with Amazon at all. Um, I just have it. I did it yeah. a while ago, and I keep using it. And, you know, I live with that decision and it's fine. You know, you know, I'm sort of I'm outing myself. That's what I do. I'm not yet saying I'm going to pull my affiliate links because they did DP review. I have to come up with the my moral, you know, decision about how do I feel about Amazon in general? Right. right. And so I, to me, it just sounds a little um, hypocritical. Maybe right. that's too hard of a word. I don't know. What do you what do you what do you think? I don't want to put you on the spot either. I mean, well, I, 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 no, not, I mean, I have Amazon. I'm an Amazon Marketplace. Uh, Ornest Photos on the Amazon Marketplace. Um, I, I mean, a lot of my sales come through those channels. Yeah. Um, I'm not. And by the way, I have no judgment on you about this at all. I mean, yeah. you're, to me, actually, in some sense, since you're a mom and pop store too. So yeah, at this point, but. So, I mean, I, I do get sales from the Amazon marketplace, so it works for me, uh, because it is actually provides most of my sales. Right. You're not what, what I guess I'm saying is that you're, you're not making a protest about DP review and pulling your affiliate links. No. It's not your, no. it's not what you're doing. So I guess what I'm saying is like, what is it, what do you think about these people who are, who are doing this or Am I putting you on spot? By well, no, I, well, I haven't, well, maybe a little bit, but um, I am sad and angry because it seems like, you know, they they look at the dollar value of what DP Review might be bringing in and perhaps they're, when they're looking at doing these cuts for whatever reason, and I don't know what those reasons are, possibly legitimate, um, could they not have spared this this valuable resource? Or is there something nefarious going on? But there's a reason why they want to get rid oh. of DP review. I don't know. Um, no, it just, I mean, my reaction to it won't go to, you know, burning the house down or anything. It's just, um, as I said, sad and angry that we're losing this, this great site. Yeah. And yeah. all the talent that's there. Yeah, all the talent's there. And anyway, I just, you know, in a way I'm sort of calling out... Um, the folks on on who I've seen on YouTube making that statement, and I'm actually just very curious about it. I mean, I'm, I'm really curious what, why would this be the one the the decision? You know, and it's and I'm sure Amazon has done this to a lot of different entities over time, um, but I mean, they're photography related, you know, YouTubers, and I'm sure that it's upsetting to them. And I'm sure, you know, I don't know if it'll make a difference. Maybe will to Amazon to see, you know some YouTuber who's got, you know, a couple of million subscribers decide to pull their affiliate links, that might actually, that actually might make a difference. 
Maybe it will make a difference. Maybe they'll it'll get the on their radar or something like that. Um, but well, anyway. Or I don't know. Possibly was, you looking at their customer reviews of items within the Amazon marketplace itself. Have you ever read us customer have, reviews yeah, on no, Amazon? Well, hey, that's no, a that's, yeah, a, that's a sitcom waiting to happen. Yeah, that's a yeah. you know. Someone, actually, that's a good idea. Making a web series sitcom about Amazon reviews, just just using those as storylines, <laughs> and have it run and, on Amazon Prime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Self-referential, whatever. Oh yes. Well, you heard it here first, people. If if that happens, we get credit for it. <laughs> it's okay. Anyway. I would. I would. I would watch it. Uh, probably, I would watch it too. So yeah. Anyway, I'm, uh, I acknowledge uh, my sadden, ang sadness and anger at Amazon doing that. And uh, again, wish everybody a DP review. If anybody listens to the show who knows anybody there, or even if anybody who works there listens to the show, be nice to hear from you or just uh, good luck. Fingers crossed for you guys. For the first time, <laughs> not for the first time, but this is the Street Shots podcast, right? We need to talk about street photography. Yeah, but we we, we had been for a while. Well, yeah, but... I know, but, you know, it's like, <laughs> yes, we have been. Well, but our own work, which maybe, you That's know, true, doesn't our have own a work. generalized appeal. Yeah, go back to... We're, we're an acquired taste. Yeah. Yeah, actually, no, we do talk about street photography, but like, you know, yeah. Uh, when we were trying to figure out who to talk about. We wanted to talk about somebody today. the The name Alex Webb popped up uh, somewhere in that discussion, and uh, I, I'm actually kind of a little shocked that it's 180 episodes. <laughs> I haven't talked about Alex no, we Webb. We haven't talked about Alex Webb. Yeah. And uh, to be honest, Alex um, did not really appear on my radar uh, for a long, long time, um, and so uh, I feel like I'm going to be. I'm just starting to learn about him. Uh, more and more recently, um, I recent recently a couple of Christmases ago, Elizabeth had uh, uh, bought for me uh, his book that he did with his wife uh, called Brooklyn: The City Within, and uh, it was a great book. It's a collaboration between the two of them, photographing in Brooklyn. Uh, the two Alex of them, shooting... Alex and his wife Rebecca. Yeah, that... yeah, yeah, yeah. Rebecca, yeah. Rebecca Norris Webb. Um, the book is uh, done in three parts. Uh, the middle part is uh, her f uh, photographic essay on Prospect Park, which is Brooklyn's version of Central Park. And then the um, back and front sections are, are Alex walking the streets of, uh, doing the streets of Brooklyn, different neighborhoods and stuff. So anyway, that's sort of my first, this is my first Alex Webb book. Anyway, when we decided to talk about him, I ended up buying this other book, uh, which Again, you're pulling ahead of me in terms of purchases per month. You're, you're <laughs> the one who got me started on this. This was, this was, this was, but I kept hearing about, I was doing stuff. I was looking up his stuff on uh, YouTube. And of course this book was coming up a lot, which is the suffering of light. So it's a giant book, uh, from, uh, Alex from Aperture. It's very well printed and is very inexpensive. That's why I got it. Uh, so that we could talk about, it. but of course I can't show the pictures because we're a podcast. So we figured we we'd talk about them. Sure. Um, so who wants to? Start? We talk. About, well, I'll start. I'll talk about his style a little bit because yeah, um, please. He, it's a very um, 
you could say, how do I put this? He has a style. He has a very particular style and it is not a simple style. It's his images are really layered. There's foreground and background. There's a silhouette. Um, the whole frame is completely full of, of details. Uh, sometimes it looks like when you look at the, his images, they appear chaotic, but after you look at them for a while, things kind of settle down. There's, you know, parts of the frame that seem to be independent of others. Um, uh, he's a color. He works in color. All his his recent books are, are color, and uh, it's used to great effect. Uh, he, he manages to capture um, not just the atmosphere of where he's shooting, but there's an emotional and poetic aspect to his work which makes him very unique. I don't know anyone who is close to him. You could say he's a cross between this or that. I know some pictures, and I know some of the pictures that I believe he took in Cuba. Mm -hmm. uh, they look a, a quite a bit like uh, Henri Cartier-Bresson, like just the layout of them, the, the you know, the, the kids against w uh, the wall, and some is mm -hmm. reminiscent right, of a right. previous uh, Cartier-Bresson image. But other than that, uh, he is definitely he's definitely of himself, and um, there's lots to look at, man. If you get a get one of his books, there's uh, there's a great deal to see there. Yeah, and I can be thankful for this in this book. I'm looking at it now. Well, actually, most of the book has one picture with no picture on the other page, so you only get one picture at a time. There's sometimes double pictures, but um, <clears throat> it's a it's a book well worth looking through multiple times. Um, the interesting thing about his story, I'm, I don't think we need to go into his background too much, but he started off in his photographic life shooting black and white, going to all these locations, mm -hmm. uh, Mexico and, 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 and wherever else, and, and realizing that black and white was not enough for him. It mm -hmm. wasn't enough to, to answer the, um, uh, the visuals that he was seeing with his eyes. And so eventually he turned to color. And on that point, I thought it was interesting because you know, he was in the days of film, so he's working with black and white film, and then he's going to color, so he's processing black and white, and then he's then he's uh, shooting Kodachrome afterwards. And um, you know, it's 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 interesting to jump ahead to now because photographers who are getting into this world of photography start shooting color, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? Because that's mm -hmm. the default that that cameras are now into. Unless you're one of these guys who buys the Leica, what is it, the M, uh, is it the M10, the M10 black and white is version. The, ML, oh, um, the black and white M10, version, M10 monochrome. I monochrome, yeah. Up. Yeah. But when you buy a camera and the first thing you do and you take it out of the box, you're going to be shooting color pictures. So then mm -hmm. you move to black and white, or uh, you, you have to move to black and white. There are photographers who start in black and white. Anyway, I just thought that was interesting because of the times that you know uh, he's starting in film. You know you most likely you're going to start in black and white. Mm -hmm. um, but you're, you know, in terms of um, his style of photography, it's a definite style, mm -hmm. uh, even his black and white work. Um, and uh, someone actually was reading an article, uh, uh, an essay about him, and it was uh, described in the essay that one of his photography students at ICP described his work as migraine photographs. Yeah. I don't <laughs> think that's fair, actually. Um, it depends on your sensibility, I think. It I depends guess. on how your how your 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 eye is acclimated to the, uh, a style of photography. Yes, I mean, 
you could look at some of his pictures and just say, what is going on? And I don't know if that was meant as a negative. It was just uh, in, in terms of like what you said, the, there's so much going on in so many of his pictures. Um, but they aren't, I mean, how do I put that? Um, there's, com there's complexity in the images he's chosen, but they're not muddled or jarring. There, you can look at them. Uh, I think you used an expression. I think when we were we were on a bit of a feeding frenzy yesterday, going through you know the materials that we had in front of us, and um, uh, what did you you said something? Oh, now it's now it's left me. Um, <laughs> what when we were talking on Discord? We were talking back and forth on Discord. Um, you had said. Um, Oh, I, I know. I said this, uh, describing his images like, um, hang on, I'll look at them. I'll look for this. You keep going and I'll... I'll uh... Anyway, so, well, just jumping back a bit. I, I knew of Alex Webb, but I, I wasn't aware, like you, yesterday especially, going over a lot of his, uh, a lot of his material and stuff that I have. Um, you know, he, do, he does a lot of things that I would aspire to do, which is you know, carve the frame up into different sections, which is a thing I do, but much more simply. Um, he captures a lot of complexity, like I said, without uh, being muddled. And what he does do that I don't seem to be able to do is have a poetic aspect, a humanity to the images. Maybe that's part of that is because of his travel, the work mm -hmm. that he does when he travels. Um, and he, he does all that within these complex images. It's not just... Uh, you know, a mother holding a child and that there's a human connection there. There's a whole suite of humanity of, of people in the image that represent humanity. And, oh, I know what you're going to say. Did you want to say? Uh, go ahead. Go ahead. You say <laughs> that you said it was like um, a Renaissance painting. Renaissance paintings. Yeah. You know, yeah, the, yeah. the the thing that popped in my mind was uh, a painting. Uh, What's his name? I'm going to get, I know his last name is David. What is it? Jacques-Louis David painting uh, or his work in general. But I had written, uh, there was the, the death of Socrates. Um, and maybe it's not a, it's not an exact comparison, but what I remember of that image of that painting is that there's so many things going on, or even like something like the last supper or right. something like that, where there's, you, you can look at the overall and there's one giant, story or image going on and then as you start it's like a fractal you start to dive yeah. in deep to it and there are uh, multiple stories that are going on in the painting uh that relate to the overall and as i'm looking through his work webb's work i'm finding that same kind of experience that there's the overall and there's all these little parts that mm -hmm. um, equal the overall or exceed the overall. It, it and the other thing I'm there just sub stories. About, there are sub stories. Sub stories. Subjects. Yeah. And what I you know I'm kind of stuck because one of the things I do with uh, when I teach my street photography class, you know I try to talk about this a little bit. And then these are beginning photographers, so I don't I try not to go too much in depth. But one of the things I I pay attention to is is to make sure they don't think that the imagery that I'm showing them is a result of luck, that that the mm -hmm. photographer is somehow able to see this and and make an image at the appropriate time. And then you know I look at Webb's pictures 
and I go back to thinking wrongly, of course, but like, yeah. is this guy lucky or what? <laughs> um, and he's not, he's, he's an incredibly skilled, um, visual artist. Uh, he puts himself in those locations in those places and he waits and he captures it when he does. I mean, that, that, you know, one of, one of his quotes was it's 90, his work is 99.9% .9 failure. Right. Right. And that's true. And we know that you and I know that as street photographers, it's not like we're going into a studio and we're going to have all these pretty pictures of a single subject who's lit perfectly. We're watching the light. We're adapting to it. We're, you know, trying to get things as best we can. You know, the, what is it? Fortune favors are prepared. Right, right, uh, right. And then when the light is right and the subjects happen to be there, then it's just, uh, it's up to us to capture it. Did you happen to listen to the podcast, uh, the I did. Um, Deacons, the Team Deacons yeah. uh, podcast? I've subscribed to that, actually. I, did, I subscribed to it, too. Uh, yeah. I listened to it. It was a really great discussion. And he said something like that, um, you know, he. it was almost like he's, he, I can't, if this is the direct quote or I'm, I'm just interpreting that he smelled, like he could smell something is about to happen. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and that idea uh, that... Uh, he's been doing this long enough that he could sense uh physically that there's there's perhaps some magic about to happen yeah. uh like you said 99 percent of the time it doesn't happen mm -hmm. you know or, or he, he, he you know it, it uh it doesn't manifest into anything but because he's persistent and and uh, uh, uh perseveres at it that one percent is is you know what we're looking at in front of us right now mm -hmm. uh those those pictures and and that amount of energy but like he described in the podcast uh uh a photograph that he was taking in i think it was in istanbul um of a barber shop mm -hmm. uh and he was working with the reflections and and he uh deacons uh asked him how many pictures he took and he said he he hung out there for about six rolls worth of film uh in order to get that one shot, five or six rolls of film, which is enormous yeah. amount of uh, patience, and you know, also going to show you that it, it wasn't quite happening right away when he right. when when he, he smelled something and he got the picture that he wanted, mm -hmm. but it took him you know 180 frames more or less if that was you know ballparking uh, yeah. to get the one that he uh, that he ended up uh, presenting, um, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it, it I, I don't know what else to say about this guy. <laughs> well, I, I, one I mean, thing I, I got he... from that, you know, hearing him in his own voice, um, you know, there are a lot of photographers that offer workshops and, uh, uh you know, y y you too. <laughs> and, uh, and there are a lot, there are a lot, there are a lot of workshops that I think are geared towards making a picture that looks like what the instructor would um mm -hmm. and i'm like well i don't really want to take pictures of skylines i don't really want to take because this guy does this he's just gonna or she's just gonna teach me how to take a picture like hers what i got from the alex webb podcast on on the team deacons or sorry the on the team deacons podcast uh, with alex talking uh was he so matter of fact down to earth not down to earth but he wasn't using a bunch of lofty, um, right, right. Mm -hmm. you know, artistic expression, you know, uppity. 
he was just saying, no, this happened and that happened. And, and, you know, I don't shoot as much as I do and blah, blah, blah. And, and I just like that, that kind of straightforward concrete idea of what he's doing. Um, and I would definitely go to his, one of his workshops. Um, and I think he and Rebecca, uh, share the load on those workshops just to get, just to get the mindset. Mm. Um, and he would definitely be, I mean, one of our previous guests, right? Sandra Cataneo Adorno, uh, those beach pictures from, uh, Rio, she started basically in, in their workshop. Right, right. She was she, talking yeah. about how disappointed she was in the work. <laughs> and Alex and Rebecca are like, well, you know. Like, weren't they instrumental in helping her uh, move forward with the project? Absolutely, yes. They were, yeah, right. Yeah, they no, were. I remember that, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let's talk about, let's talk about his, uh, well, first of all, let's talk about his um, effect on you a little bit. Because when I, you know, as I'm starting to learn more about him and how much, uh, you know the the two things he's well known for most not mostly but uh, you know the his book or his um uh, project in mexico we're going to mexico and mm -hmm. then haiti but uh, the difference between those two is haiti was a very short term right uh project uh, yeah. compared to mexico which he's uh, the border um also he's done for many decades yeah. and so when i you know heard that and the first thing i thought about was your you know foray into mexico and how that made you uh feel and excited and i was just wondering how much of uh web uh since you sort of i think knew more about him than i did affected yeah. you in making that trip well there's no doubt when i was doing the research to going there there were alex webb pictures that were in that grouping you know when i would just go you know, pictures of Mexico, blah, 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 that weren't tour touristy. Mm -hmm. And I had written a blog article on, on, uh, on the, uh, unusual collective site about, I, I desperately did not want to take tourist pictures there, um, or present a project that looked like a bunch of tourist travel images. Um, I wanted to, to have a, here is the place, here's what I saw, not, here's me peering in from the outside looking at it you look at alex webb's uh, alex webb's pictures and there's definitely that component is definitely that he's there and he's presenting what he sees in front of him the humanity that you get is not a gawking humanity you know you're not oh look at these poor people it is the kind of beauty and the humanity of the people that you're looking at um so so that that's what i you know, subconsciously, if you want to say, mm -hmm. uh, one of the victories of the Mexico trip, and it's only been one for me. So, uh, I don't know when I'm going to be able to get down there now, but, uh, it's, it's some, it's, it's not a good place to travel right now, mm -hmm. but, um, but yeah, there was that component, uh, of, of him being comfortable where he is and capturing in a very vivid way what he saw. Contrast that a little bit with his, his, the, I think it was two years he did in Haiti. Um, it's a little bit, a little bit jarring is too strong a word, but it's a little bit more seen from the outsider. Um, you're kind of looking across at the subjects a little more than being able to, you're seeing some of the, the, the suffering going on there. So the images are kind of taken from a different perspective. They're still amazing. They're still amazing beautiful uh humanity filled images 
but they are they they my sense is they're definitely uh, from an outsider's point of view. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I w- did not know about the Haiti pictures until we were doing the research for this uh, for this podcast. So it may be an unfair comment, but I th- that I mean I was that was the image or the sorry the the perspective that I felt or the uh, you know that I inferred from mm-hmm. looking at those. Um, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, I'm, oh. I'm all done. I'll stop talking. Yeah. <laughs> all done. Uh, how, you know, in our, uh, show notes, we have, he's, he's talking a lot about his color, um, his use of color. It's interesting. Uh, did you, when you went to Mexico, you decided on purpose not to do color? Um, yeah, it, w- it was, yeah, no, uh, I mean, for my, whatever you want to call them, establishing shots or the pictures that I knew would look touristy because I still did want to document it. My, my, uh, my artistic brain was not working in color, but I do have quite a few quite, I think, beautiful color images from it, but they're not part of the, the, my soul feeding, um, you know, Mexico images that I imagined would be in black and white. Um, I'm sorry. What was the question again? No, it was no question. It was just, you know, (laughs) His his uh, movement into color in in finding these places that he goes uh, and realizing that he was um, uh, these are places of rich color and he was uh, I want to say ignoring it that's not that would not be his words but his photography was ignoring it and he finally you know realized he's you know hit a block mm-hmm. uh, in terms of photography and realized this you know all this color this saturated beautiful color exists down there and it's part of the the fabric of society there uh in, mm-hmm. in the places that he visits and and to be fair he's he's also you know doing the same thing not only in in you know these caribbean countries but wherever he seems to visit now and is absorbing the color mm-hmm. uh in in all the places um what's really interesting also is that he so much of his color work presented in the books was done uh, when he was photographing using Kodachrome. Right. Uh, so another photographer, you know, we were talking about, uh, what's his name from Saskatchewan? Everett uh, Baker. Everett, Everett Baker, you know, yeah. where, and those, those Kodachrome colors um, are so much of the fabric of the photographer too, you know, understanding mm-hmm. how the color is going to react to the film. Um, it's just, uh, it's something to, to pay attention to. Uh, and you know he did a project at the end of uh, Kodachrome. You know about that one? No. He went or, to not a, not went to it. Rochester, New York, the home of Kodak, to shoot the last rolls, his last rolls of Kodachrome. Oh, he did mention that in the podcast, didn't he? A little bit. I discovered oh. it. I discovered it in my research. He talked about something about about Rochester and the and the last rolls of Kodachrome, but I didn't know he. Uh, I, I didn't know who was shooting the last. He was celebrating or or mourning the end of Kodachrome by going to Rochester to to shoot there. I, I'm curious what he shoots with now, <laughs> because um, what has served his uh, purposes to get the kind of color that he he likes to do. I mean, um, certainly digital cameras are not reacting the same way as as uh, as uh, Kodachrome is in, in any respect. Yeah. Yeah, so, I don't think he mentioned in that podcast in the Team Deacons podcast. I don't think. Well, it was, maybe it was one of the other ones yeah. I was listening to. So, um, 
you know, I'm, I'm, we got actually, there's a ton of sirens going on outside, so I'm not going to mute it. There's something actually going on out there, which I don't want to know what it is. Yeah. <laughs> but don't show your face at the window, man. No, I'm not going to show my face at the window. No. Uh, there's, as I'm going through this book, there was some pictures. The book is, um, uh, a mix of, uh, different locations, uh, uh, Brooklyn, um, Istanbul, Havana, um, Brazil, uh, and there's, there are all these different places and the, you know, the theme through the pictures is this enormous amount of, um, just framing and composition and, and serendipity, uh, in the photographs and in this amazing way. Actually, I wanted to talk, talk about one picture. I have to describe it since I can't show it to you. Uh, well, I don't know. Maybe I could show it to you, but then I'll describe it for the audience. This picture. Oh yeah. This drives me crazy. So I know. It's a, yeah, me too. <laughs> so it took me a while to figure it out. This is not a, I mean, the color is not, it, the color is not important in this picture, but it, what it looks like to me, what it first looked like was a wall and there's a child there's, there's like this, um, there's two children in it, or at least there's a face of one child that's close to the camera and there's another child off to the upper right corner. And it, it looks like to me, this kid is stuck up on a wall of gravel. And then mm. there's this, this hole with this child's face poking through another part of the picture. That's what it looked like to me. And mm -hmm. it took me an incredibly long time to understand what was going on in this picture. And then I realized maybe I shouldn't say because I should leave the mystery for people. <laughs> no, I'll have to say because now I made. No, this. you have to say yeah. Spoiler say, alert, by the spoiler way. Spoiler alert, yeah. The photograph it looks like he's looking down over a wall at two children playing on a gravel field, mm -hmm. and one kid is just contorted and looking up at him, uh, closer to the wall. But because his body is underexposed, it kind of looks like a hole. So it's a mm -hmm. hole with this disembodied face and this sort of a weird hand sticking at the back. And then the other child is just on the ground on this uh, gravel. But I had this weird effect, sort of like, you know, when you look at a vase that has the face carved into it, like two yeah. things are going on. But my brain could not make sense of this picture at all. Yeah. with stuff like this i think it's how does patience. someone see this way how does someone see this way practice i think he just can do it he puts himself in these circumstances and he is he waits like your barbershop there the barbershop but do you think he pre-visualizes when he sees this i mean of course well, he's i think not he here puts to, him well he's not here to answer the I'm question i'm just but. gonna guess i'm just gonna make it up here um I well, he think might he, not even know he himself. camps out well there's that but i want to think that he he camps out and he waits for the moment and he can put himself in those. But in how those to think places. about the moment? I, I look at, all, there's another picture in here. Um, well, I'm not going to find it right away. Oh, well, actually there's, there's, there's one image uh, that's very powerful of a murder outside of um, a bar or something in uh, Mexico. And there's a, there's a, a man's body in the street and there's all these people sort of surrounding him sort of against the wall that's why it looks like a painting there's that mm -hmm. everything seems to be happening against a, a backdrop and 
um, when I start it, I, I hate to say it's a beautiful picture because it's this picture of this poor guy who's been killed somehow. And then these women are weeping over him and everybody's, um, it's just a, the sadness in it. And then I look at this compositionally and color-wise and mm. there's all the stuff going on in it that is very easy to see right away. Like mm -hmm. there are these, the angle of the people, there are these triangles that are going on. There's this, like I said, there's this flatness to it as if it was a painting. Painting, like you could you know? see it as a 10 foot wide canvas. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, the, and, you know, this is just one example of it. Um, it's interesting because it's a, there's this um, um, uh, dichotomy of the beauty of it and the, and the sadness yeah. at the same time. Uh, and and that again pops up in in so many of his pictures. There's um, these kind of contradictions that that come on in the pictures. And and oh, you know what? Talk about. Um, uh, so anyway, let me get back to that for a second. The, the the very much of a painting style, the flatness of it, the the way figures are distributed around that. And my my part of my brain can't imagine being practiced enough to like. To, it's almost like he's seeing ahead. He's seeing, mm. he's seeing in, in the future. Um, he's seeing the future mm -hmm. somehow, and uh, and then he's able to snap it. Like somehow his mind or some part of his being can sense a composition that's coming. And he said that he he you know um, he can smell something is going to happen. He can smell that ninety nine percent of the time it doesn't happen, but this one mm -hmm. percent of the time which is enough uh, w with him, uh, he is is able to hit the shutter uh, at the right time and get these complex compositions that it doesn't take, you know, an art historian uh, to figure out when you look at it. Right. You're just, like I said, if you go to a museum and you look at Renaissance art, you know, it's kind of pretty obvious what's going on and, and you know, it kind of, especially with these beautiful paintings, it can hit you in a in a moment. Mm -hmm. This guy's pictures are the same way, and mm -hmm. um, I'm actually, you know what? I had a theory of this once, uh, and it's funny. I stopped talking about this. Uh, I watched this science show about the subconscious, and I, I don't remember what the show was, but they, uh, it, it was. I think the premise. This is not going to be right. The premise was, can we tell the future? And the science in the show, and of course, you know, I'm sure people are going to say, well, you know, it's been refuted or blah, 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 blah. But it wasn't, it wasn't like, a, you know, um, in search of mysteries kind of thing. Right. This was like scientists talking about subconscious. And this one part came on to talk about subconscious and how that the subconscious was working like a couple of seconds ahead of our, our what we were aware of. So that the brain or the subconscious is, is, is like our, what we think is reality or what we're doing is actually like a second or two behind our subconscious. And so I began mm -hmm. to wonder about that, how that fits into photography or does it, if, if, if that's true, can, can it with practice and with, uh, and, um, practice, it wasn't like a natural skill thing. It was just something that you could work on and mm -hmm. hone, but with practice, you could train your subconscious could be trained to see something or, or be aware of something and then allow your physical, your conscious part of your 
body mm -hmm. to react and to be able to do that. I, I don't know if that absolutely it's going fact, too much into that. No, but I, <laughs> I, I can I can illustrate that in my own life too. In high school, I was a conductor for our band. You um, were our, like yeah. a student conductor, and um, there's nothing more nerdy than standing in front of a bunch of musicians. <laughs> waving around a fiberglass stick but anyway um so yeah i did that and you have to be when you're reading from a conductor score you have to be a beat or two ahead of the of the orchestra and so you're in two places at the same time your perception is reading the music and keeping the time and all that kind of stuff and you're just a little bit ahead of where you're where you're um your arms are are keeping time and bringing in the different sections and so on, and that happens after. And they're they're you're you're split. You're in two states at the same time. So like a, it's like really hard. I can in imagine, fact, but it but it's can is it something that uh, it you trained to, to do or just sort well, of happened no, it's something you have to time? get. Well, you well, I I didn't know because I had no for, real formal training in how to conduct other than some guidelines but you found out pretty quickly that you had to be in that state in order to make it all the way through a particular piece mm. and you know what when you and i are walking the street we do have like oh there's something going to go on here it's not exactly the we can't really smell it so much well you can smell the streets of new york which i, I enjoyed <laughs> hey 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 there hey there um, Actually, you, can. <laughs> um uh, you know and there's something you know something coming up in front of us and there were I had quite a few moments um, where I was, and you know, you get in the, you get yourself in the right place, and you hope something happens, and every now and then it does. Yeah. Um, well, it, it's obviously happening with him um, quite often, and given that he's he travels, and given so how rich his material is, it's yes, pretty yeah, freaking amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah. He uh, uh, the one one other picture that. Uh, is amazing is these um, bathers in a uh, waterfall in Haiti mm. that he photographed in 1987. And uh, again, there's so much going on. There's foreground, there's out of focus people in the foreground. There's a, a woman under a, uh, a waterfall on the right. There are these people on the left, a mother and a child. You can see her back and the child's hand. And in the background, sort of along this other waterfall, there are these people going all the way up this hill uh, mm -hmm. where the water started from. And again, you, you don't need to be this, uh, I'm going to say a rocket scientist, it's not the right word, but like, you know, an art critic or someone who's been well-versed in the history of the arts to look at this and understand the composition, how, you know, it just, it, it's there. Mm -hmm. And it, again, it's one of these amazing things about him that he seems to have this, uh, ability and it's it, we're you know i'm grateful for it because it's great to be able to share his eye or that he shares his eye with all of us to to be able to see those moments and these are just everyday moments mm -hmm. everywhere you know and, he, and he's not just doing it in these exotic locations he's this other shot um this great one on a bridge in uh, where is it in munich where this is uh, a bicyclist sort of resting on a bridge uh, mm. And he's on the left side, and there's a hole in the bridge uh, with what looks like a target, and it's like a metal um, design. 
and mm. there's a surfer in the, in the river below and yeah. the target is directly on yeah. the surfer yeah and he was talking about this on the on, the, on his podcast and this is where it made, made me think about the subconscious a little bit because um he said that i think he even said in the show that he's not always aware of what his frame what he captured in his, in his frame he wasn't aware in this specific shot that the target was directly uh oh, okay. on the uh surfer at all he only saw that after the fact and that's what made me think about the subconscious because that's always running in the background mm -hmm. you know and it's searching and once you're maybe once you're training it or once it's trained to this is the kind of stuff we're going to be looking for because you're in partnership with your subconscious right. that it's going to say you know yeah you may not be aware of this but i'm aware of it there's a there's a surfer and it's and there's this target and now you're going to click the shutter and then you click the shutter and you say well i'm not consciously aware that i crabbed it but some part of you is because you did it, it wasn't right. it wasn't just a lucky situation and uh you know someone who's maybe not versed in photography would look at his work and say he's been lucky and i i, I again i don't ever subscribe to that it's that just, you know when when a uh, class someone in my class and you know they're new students and they say i asked them is the photographer lucky or do he skilled eh, lucky i'm like no if he's lucky then you're dismissing all that time and energy that a photographer or photographers do we might as well just be a million monkeys typing you know right. and getting a shakespeare after a while so um well we have all these books right yeah there, there's, yeah <laughs> there's there's some uh there's some will and uh um talent involved in this in creating this work there's no yeah. doubt about it it's amazing uh one of the things i've started to think about is is a, um, like looking at his pictures and realizing for my own stuff that i've tended to uh, like we're putting the, the zine together we're trying to put the zine together for uh um for the two our work the two of us um mm -hmm. we got to work on that <laughs> yeah. but i started to think like i i was i was presenting a lot of my stuff as black and white and i realized i have a a, a, a whole bunch of of color work and it made me start to think about how dismissive of, i was of the color that it was just going to the black and white work and then actually after picking up his book or talking about him uh and this idea of color and how it how important it is in 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 pictures sometimes that i might need to go back and look at the selections i was making for the for the zine and think mm -hmm. about maybe in, you know going back and incorporating color but it's really making me think about this like mm -hmm. seeing his work and wondering how color is going to play uh you know a part in the kind of stuff that i want to do um, right. i know that for you black and white is is uh um for now where it's at yeah uh, but i mean i do have color pictures of mexico that might fit that bill like i mean i might as you're saying this i'm kind of doing the same evaluation uh, so i'll definitely take a look at those color images i have and they are colorful and they are beautiful so um that can that can happen yeah so one of the things you were you were I noticed that you put, put in our notes about this is a color that comes out of tension between light and dark. Tell me what you're thinking about that when you're looking at his work. Well, it's a combination. Like I'm used to tones, right? Emotion and 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 uh, the arresting aspect of the image being the tones. You know, um, I'm always saying, "Oh, tones, tones, tones! It's so beautiful." You know, the the silveriness of the image. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where he can he can he does well. We 
complements of colors and color science and all that kind of stuff um he can he uses the relationship of the colors by the pictures he selects to create tension or um harmony or or whatever it is um to give it that or you don't use the word painterly because it's definitely you know right. mm-hmm. a photograph but using some of the same kind of a visual uh you know visual attributes in terms of color and light and dark you can really leverage color yeah and That's also really what i meant yeah okay and you also talk about the i mean it's it, part of his work a lot but remember you mentioned this in regards to one of your images and you were talking about this on our on, on our uh, unusual collective board but the division of uh, the picture yeah where there's something in the middle or there's something that's dividing like you said what did you call that in your work you said something like uh that's dividing the frame i think no something like sphere you said something about a sphere like hemispheres oh hemispheres oh that's yeah that's a while that was your phrase of it but 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 i but i the gist of it i got with like especially with um uh webb's work is that there's often many times in some of his pictures there's there's some you know obvious dividing uh uh section talk about that a little bit and i mean since you've got well i mean all i can say is that i like some of the images that street images i took particularly years ago maybe five six years ago where i was really kind of go out going after it doing hemispheres or having um you know dividing the frame up into let's just say two for the sake of argument where each one on its own could kind of stand as its own composition but you put them together in the same frame and it has a different meaning a different vibe so that's what i can do with my limited skill what what web can do is it's almost like you're looking through a cracked mirror like there are shards every shard Mm -hmm. has its own story about it Uh, whether that's an actual dividing line of of some uh, some something structural like going through the frame or just simply that the subjects are separated a little bit in their own world in that flat way that you were talking about um where each one of them has a story like the last supper where you can tell you know each of the apostles has their own expression and their own presence Mm. um i think uh and and that's that's really magic to uh to his work and really inspiring yeah he's got that one shot i don't know if you're aware of it the in barbados uh, shot through a car or from the inside of a car and there's um uh the um uh, strut for the strut a pillar a pillar ape is that a pillar a pillar is the one at the front by the windshield yeah Yeah. a pillar okay good i didn't know that uh the a pillar is dividing the frame uh and there's three um uh, young women outside of the frame look like school um school girls Mm. And there's two on the right side, and then there's the A pillar dividing, and then there's the um, third girl on the uh, on the left side. And you know what ends up happening is you, you instinctually you know you're you're on the inside of a car looking out of it, but suddenly the car disappears, at least for me. Mm. And mm. this sort of triangular story is on the left, and and the the girls on the right are doing their own thing, and they're related because they're wearing the same clothing right uh and they're sharing the same environment there's the there's the clouds and the and the grasses and stuff like that and suddenly the car disappears but it becomes this dividing 
section right. and uh like you said the two parts are related but then there's the whole on it and then this seems to crop up in a lot of his images these uh these dividing um segments this other picture in haiti this great one this one's insane where there's this sort of pillar or tree stump right in the middle and there's a hand on it and there are these hands that are pointing in different directions and there's people on the left and the right and there's an ocean in the background do you know the picture i'm talking about yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and again this thing is you know it, it, it you know how to see this uh and and understand to snap that shot i think he said he took only about five or six frames to get this image uh in yeah, this scene amazing yeah and again it's one of those images where you look at and, and the composition the, the obviousness of the connections and the and the composition is there in front of you and again it has that painting mm -hmm. kind of thing there is a background but there's very the subjects uh, in the foreground are very flat against this so mm -hmm. um it's maybe not so much about color all the color is important in this picture but it's uh about the hands and the faces uh and this stuff anyway it, it i'm so glad i picked up this book because you know it's it um i've never had uh, a collection of his work before and to be able this is one of those you can pick up i think and look over and over and over again and continue to find uh just amazing uh, details and uh, information in the the images that are in here um but i'm, I'm so glad to be learning about him and again you know people who are listening to the show probably know about him already but i was like you know Maybe those you know are just picking it up for the first time. So, anyway, I'm, I'm noticing we've 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 talked for a long time, <laughs> and we didn't even we didn't even talk about you guys almost running into each oh, other on Coney yeah, Island. Yeah, no, I, oh, I then now that you mentioned, I got to quickly say. Yeah, so you say that, and then we we'll I'll say it quick. It yeah, so uh, he uh, when I picked up the Brooklyn book and I looked through it, there is a picture of his that he took in my neighborhood. Actually, there's a couple in my neighborhood, and one was a bus stop, and I showed you the pictures, the same bus stop uh, in my neighborhood. So he, he was walking around Kensington and Borough Park, and uh, we, were, we were literally probably next to each other at a, a mermaid parade in 2015 because we actually photographed the same mother, and, uh, mother lobster and child shrimp uh, mm. against the same wall. Uh, probably roughly at the same time and it was a setup uh um it was the parade setup and so they were only there for a certain amount of time so um we might have even been photographing simultaneously and i wasn't aware of course because they they set that up so people could take pictures for the parade mm -hmm. uh so photographers are allowed to go in there so he could have been standing right next to me and i wouldn't have known that so um i'll try maybe i'll put those pictures in the show notes or something like that but uh yeah cool. um I was very impressed to see him in my neighborhood. And in fact, I think the picture in the bus stop has a photograph. Uh, there's a woman in there who I may have already, who I may have photographed. Um, and it's interesting to, to do comparisons, you know, I'm mm -hmm. sure like we all do that to compare our work to the other people's work and see like how we see the same things, uh, the same things differently, you know, the same places and stuff like that differently. So of course my work is much inferior <laughs> compared to his. Mine too. Yeah. But uh, all right. But these well, guys are inspiration. So yeah, um, I would call this a shallow dive because I think we probably could do a lot. We could probably do another, you know, two hours just talking about Webb and going into his stuff. And uh, yeah, I would love to, you know, to take a workshop with him. Um, that would be, that would be really interesting. So mm -hmm. yeah. Anyhow, well, thank you for thank you for uh, spending some time talking about Alex. 
No problem. Yeah. My so, pleasure. well, that's it. Where can we find you? <laughs> it's I, like, that's it. That's cold end. <laughs> you can find me at uh, Ward Rosin Photography on Facebook. I'm also um, W Rosin Photo on Twitter and Vero. And I'm uh, Ward Rosin Fine Art on Instagram. And I have a little site called uh, rosin.ca, which is where I sell my fine prints and the rodeo book that Mike Ryerson and I did a few years ago. And um, I have a little business called Ornis Photo. It's at O-R-N-I-S dot photo, uh, where I sell um, um, Asian sourced, or I guess seven artisans, um, lenses for Fuji E-mount and uh, Fuji X-mount and Sony X-mount and Sony E-mount. I got to do, I got to do some proper ad copy for this. Yes. We'll have to. And, I also, and I also sell lens adapters for those mounts as well. I'm not and there are mounts again. They are and they're unofficial, unofficial sponsors. Official sponsors. Yeah. Thank you. Cool. So, right. How about you, my friend? Where can uh, I find you? Where can I find me? I can find me, uh, with many places. Well, uh, Twitter, I'm not spending this much time on, but AM Rosario on Twitter, uh, AM Rosario on Vero, AM Rosario on Flickr. I got to get Flickr back up and running, actually, because I think it's a good photography place. And uh, uh, amrosario.com is my website. And I might switch my website soon someplace. I might want to go to Squarespace. I've been, I've been jonesing Squarespace. Uh, I'm almost done with my photography uh, instruction site. Um, so uh, just beta testing it now, and I have to figure out a few other things. But it, I, I think I showed it to you. It looked pretty good. So yeah, it looks pretty pretty good. When, when pretty it's pretty up, good. it will be for those of us, who, you know, if you've got friends and family who want to learn photography, I think uh, it might be an interesting uh, combo to have them come over to my site. But I'm not ready yet. I'm hoping to have that ready soon. Uh, I will. I have to get that done. So, But I am doing a beta test tomorrow with a friend. So I'm going to be testing out. Uh, who is not me. It was not you teaching Lightroom uh, Creative Cloud. So anyway, uh, but we'll post that. And then at some point we'll have a zine coming up, which uh, all these things, when we have them up, will help support the show, by the way. So that'll be good. Because uh, this is a show of love. And uh, it'd be nice to have some support. And we're getting a lot of email. I get emails and uh, books from people. And I uh, really appreciate all the people who are reaching out. And I appreciate the comments. I've been getting comments from people on uh, on Instagram and uh, Facebook. Yeah, um, been very kind, and uh, I really appreciate that. And uh, really appreciate that you're listening to us and that you uh, you enjoy this show. Yeah, it's great. It's great to to know that there's a. Why do people want to listen to us? My part of my brain says that, and and I realize no, we know what we're talking about, but I I really enjoy that, and it's um, I feel grateful for. Well, we think we know what we're talking about. We think we know what we're talking about. We, yeah. <laughs> Especially this late at night, I don't know what I'm talking about. All right, all right. So we'll uh, I'll have to see you in a couple of weeks. You bet. And uh, have a good night uh, to you out there in uh, podcast land. All right, you too. All right. Now, I see this, or I hear that the sirens have calmed down. So. The sirens have calmed down. I'm going to go look out the window when we're done. All right. Yeah. Good night. Right. Good night. I one time when I was in Greenwood, I was, I was uh, photographing a hawk, and he was just sort of looking around, and I, I made some kind of weird noise. Mm. Um, 
not trying to imitate a hawk, but trying to just get his attention. And all of a sudden, his head snapped, and he looked right at me. <laughs> yeah. And then he jumped off the uh, thing and flew towards me. And I ended up ducking down. He wasn't going to fly over my head exactly, but he was close enough that it got me scared. <laughs> it yeah. just took off. And I was like, it's the last time I'm going to call a bird with a stupid sound like that. <laughs> Did you get any pictures of him coming toward you, though? No, I no, you were just pictures. terrified. I just, <laughs> I just the hawk is coming bombs. at me with these talons out. Was he no. going to pick you up and carry you off? And well, maybe <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> He'd probably mess up your forehead or something. I, that's what I don't need. I don't no, need don't hawk need talon holes in my face. <laughs> yeah, but you have such a great story.